Resume Roadshow, episode number 408. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me today, but that doesn't mean that we won't be hearing from Mr. Cold Coffee himself. Of course, I have stayed back here in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, enjoying a, a week at home while he has made the trip down to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, to cover UFC 283. I believe uh, as we speak now, he's wrapping up Media Day down there with uh, Mr. Hot T as well, Oscar Willis. And, uh, man, you know, 29 times I made that trip down to Brazil. 29 consecutive UFC events beginning in uh, 2012, I believe. Was it 11 or 12? Right around there when they went back to uh, Brazil for the first time. And, man, got to see a whole lot of that country. And uh, and really enjoyed it. I mean, obviously the the big cities there, Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, those are the two ones that you most associate with. But man, we got to Belo Horizonte and Jaraguá de Sul and Uberlandia and I don't even man. We went to a lot of places down there. Had a lot of great times. But uh, several years since they've had an event open to the public, and uh, I am no longer making those trips down there to Brazil. Maybe one day I'll head back. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll head back. I. You know, as a, after after leaving uh, MMA Junkie and kind of starting on this new path, one of the big things is uh, honestly just trying not to travel quite as much if it's not in, entirely necessary. I love to go do the broadcasting gigs because those are you know a lot faster in and out. But man, that the whole fight week away and the long trip down and the long trip back, um, it's just a it's just a lot of time away from family to be honest with you, away from my kid. I mean, I and, and I'm going to be honest with you, this 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 2023 calendar kind of challenged me to see if I was going to stick to those principles or not because man three of the first four pay-per-views are international you know you got you got Brazil uh you got Australia you got England and man a big part of me kind of gets that that nervous feeling like man if I'm if I'm not around I got to take part in this stuff but uh stick it to the guns stick it to the guns and and uh luckily we'll get uh, USC 285 here in Las Vegas got a couple fight nights here at the Apex as well and of course uh, got some commentary gigs lined up as well. So not making the trip this week, but the MMA Roadshow will still have you covered as always, of course. I will say that the first day that those guys got down there, uh, Cold Coffee and Hot Tea, they sent me a nice picture from the beach there in Rio, uh, chilling out there in the nice weather with an ice-cold original sitting on the table. And, uh, man, I got to do a lot of that during the trips down there. And that did make me miss it a little bit. Just thinking back to sitting there, that nice breeze coming in off the ocean. You know, everybody's hanging out there. Those ice cold originals down down more than my fair, uh, fair more than my fair share of those frosty beverages out there. I did kind of miss out just for a second. Like, ah oh, man, did I mess up? Because I do love Rio. I, I really do. Um, it, as far as you know, the the cities go down there in Brazil. It's obviously again one of the most famous ones, but it's so nice because the hotels the USC stays in, they're always right on the beach, and you know you get done with work and you just walk across the street, and it's that's me, man. You sit down in a plastic chair. You know the the beers are like a dollar for a liter, and it's even cheaper right now, man. Unfortunately, not a great thing for the folks of Brazil, but the economy is so rough right now that it's like five dollars or five. 80 hay ice per one dollar i believe is the exchange rate right now which the most it ever was when i used to go in there was like four and even then i felt like we lived like a king because it just made everything so cheap and now it's even cheaper so you know they're going out hitting the churrascarias and and uh you know hitting the bars and, and not spending a lot of money but i i do love that we we used to um man it was just like tradition in rio especially like because those events would get done at like three four in the morning 
and the sun would almost be coming up and it was so cool to you know to go out there after the events were over sit on the beach and you know kind of just shoot the shit with everybody you know all, obviously everybody's kind of hanging out at one you know media members uh ufc staff fighters coaches training partners all that you know just all kind of in one central location and you kind of come back and have a few frosty beverages and watch the sun come up and and then uh you know jump on a plane that night and come home so i i i do i do miss it a little bit being down in brazil once i saw that photo but uh it is nice like i say you know when I think about it, and it is, it's funny because before I was a parent, before my kid was this old, you know, people would say stuff like this, but I just didn't really understand it. But it's so true. Now that I think about it, it's like, man, one fight week is like five practices I miss with my kid. You know, he's doing jujitsu, he's doing soccer right now. It's it's five dinners that I don't get to have with my kid, and you know, just and just it's just that time, man. That time you're just never gonna get back. And uh, you know, not to be all mushy and sentimental here but uh, trust me this this international this fight week right here it's it's got me thinking about all these things because part of me wants to be sitting on that beach shooting this shit with my boys having some time dreaming some originals and i remember no the point is to be here the point is to be here so Coke coffee will still be there we'll check in with him a little bit later and find out uh what happened in media day just kind of what the vibe is down there in brazil i'm sure it's exciting man because you remember the last event in Brazil was like that first week of the pandemic, and so they made the decision at the last moment. So, okay, we're gonna we're gonna host the event, but we're gonna do it behind closed doors. I think at this point we're talking about 2019 since they've had a live event down there. So, you gotta imagine it's gonna be off the charts. And of course, so many Brazilians on the card, man. You got Shogun Hua's retirement fight, man. That's crazy to think about what a what a legend that is. Last time around him, and at least on a fight week, I'm sure he'll stick around the game a little bit. He's he is uh, royalty, and of course, Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill. I mean, it's uh, not not the title fight that we were expecting, but a title fight nonetheless. An amazing opportunity for Glover Teixeira to win the title back in front of uh, his native Brazil. An amazing opportunity for Jamal Hill to, you know, come out of nowhere to be, to be a UFC champion. I mean, it, it, what, what weird scenarios played out, but when you get these opportunities – you got to jump on them, right? You you can't say no. You know, even if you don't think you're quite ready yet, or even you think it doesn't wasn't quite your time, you got to jump on it. And and this is a big one for Jamal Hill. The 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 tetralogy between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. I mean, dude, if you if you tell me you know 100% what's gonna happen in a fight, I'm gonna call you a dirty liar. Because <laughs> after these dudes have gone one one and one. I just don't even know what to think, you know. Will will being in Brazil have any effect on Davis and Figueroa? I mean, will it have any effect on Brandon Moreno? You know, I, I heard, uh, you know, even in the face-offs today that they had at the media day, uh, you know, they they were already the Uvai Moreira chance, and that's just in a media day session. I'm sure it was Figueroa's team, but you know, all that stuff is is happening. Uh, Gilbert Burns is back against New. I love that. Gilbert Burns, the dude that'll fight anybody against Neil Magny, the dude that'll legit fight anybody. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, phenomenal. Jessica Andrade, Lauren Murphy is back. That's a big one. Paul Craig and Johnny Walker. A lot, a lot of good ones here. You know, um, a, a Brazilian flavor to say the least, but that's cool. You know, you kind of got Brazil versus the world, and, and, and I think the Brazilians like to see it. You got to have that nice mix, right? These regional events, whether it be Europe, whether it be Brazil, whether it be Asia, you know, you want to have some of those names, but you also want to bring in some of the local names, I should say. You want to have those there because, you know, it's people that you're familiar with. It's people from your area you want to cheer from, that sort of thing. But you also want to bring in people from the outside as well. People want to see those those fighters that they've seen on TV. You know, they want to get a chance to see them live and in their backyard. So 
Fun card. I'm looking forward to it. I'll just be sitting in my office watching it, uh, but I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. As I said, we'll check in with cold coffee in a little bit and get a little sense of the vibe down there in Brazil. Meantime, I mean, it's been crazy, right? Uh, talked about it a little bit on the and a half episode uh, this past weekend uh, after UFC Fight Night 217, but, you know, we got John Jones versus Ciro Gan, USC 285 main event. Heavyweight title is on the line, and of course, Francis Ngannou, no longer your UFC heavyweight champion, no longer with the UFC, and wow, I mean, that just all unfolded really quick on a fight night that was just kind of a, eh, we're here having a fight night, and then and then you get this big, crazy news. Now, you know, the way it played out was funny, because, you know, those of us that were there in the media, you know, we're on social media and stuff while we're while we're watching the fights and while we're filing our stories and doing whatever else. And we started seeing the pictures and look, we all just kind of start looking at each other like, "You've seen this, man? You you seen this picture of this billboard?" And when I first looked at it, I'll be honest, I thought maybe it was a Photoshop. Maybe. Now, I will say I thought it was an incredibly high quality Photoshop because they had like the the sponsor logos on there. They had the the UFC 30 year graphic. I mean, I was like somebody that. I, but I thought maybe it was a Photoshop from like Cyril Gon's team, right? Because you know Cyril had sent out that one picture of like, where are you, John? And he was in town, you know, to be there with Nasardini Mavov. And I thought maybe somebody from the team was like, oh, you know, it would be slick. Is <laughs> what if we put this up? And if you looked at that original picture, it looked to me like maybe. On the top, the image was bleeding off the screen a little bit, um, and, and that's just what it looked like. Again, I mean, what am I? I'm not some Photoshop expert, but I was like, is that bleeding over a little bit? And the other thing that I thought was weird, too, is it was just Mar 4th, was it 4th or 5th, I can't remember, but it was just MAR, where normally um, they do it that way on the European presentation, but I thought here we would say March, uh, just go ahead and write out March on that billboard, but... Um, but anyway, no, <laughs> you know, I thought maybe. Now, I wasn't, you know, I had heard they were leaning that direction anyway. I'd heard that was the way they were going. But again, you know, Cyril had posted that one picture where you had John. I thought maybe this was the next one. Like, oh, let's get people interested. Um, then, then somebody posted a video, and I was like, well, not that you can't fake a video either, but that's a little bit tougher to do. So, you know, at that point, you're like, okay, well, I guess this fight's happening. Like you guys, I was looking for the announcement the whole time. I thought maybe, and I'm guessing, I didn't bother to ask, but I'm guessing maybe the intention was to was to announce it this week, um, you know, with the pay-per-view, right? Like, that's your big audience, you know, you make your big announcements, whatever. Not just some kind of, you know, random start-of-the-year fight night event. Uh, but, you know, then UFC President Dana White comes to the back, explains everything, and of course, at that point, we know the fight's happening, but I guess the question was, is this an interim title fight? Like, what's what's the stakes of what's happening here? And that's when he revealed that uh, Francis Ngannou was no longer with the company. I'm going to be honest with you. I think I was less surprised than everybody else. I think a lot of people was like, oh, my gosh, what? If Francis isn't around? I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm alone in this. I don't know if you guys felt this way, but it just kind of seemed like this was getting inevitable to me. Um, you know, everything was taking so long. The negotiations were taking so long. The matchups were taking so long. It was just taking so long to happen that I just assumed, like, yeah, I don't think they're going to do this anymore. Like, I don't think they're going to. So I, I, I kind of thought it was inevitable, to be honest with you. So I guess I was less shocked um, than than everybody else was. Now, of course, I guess the big story after you get over the shock is that, you know, a lot of people really criticizing the way UFC President Dana White handled everything. Now, you know, listen, I I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just less hard on Dana than other people are in terms of, like, making sure you hold him exactly to his word because I understand he's a promoter promoting his business 
it doesn't do him any good to to say something like you know oh my gosh um you know we, we couldn't get a deal done and we're heartbroken about this and and this guy is going to kill it wherever he goes i mean if you want to just because you could but what's the point of that? I mean, if you remember, the one that stood out to me was, remember when he said it for Shane Burgos? When Shane Burgos signed the PFL and he was like, yeah, man, we messed up on that one. Um, you know, I, 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 we made a mistake. Something happened wrong there. I like that kid and wish he was still around. That stood out to me because normally you wouldn't say that. So I, I don't know. The people that are being so hard on there, I just think you have to understand the position. It's like it really does remind me back in the day of, you know, when Chael Sonnen was at his peak, and he would just say the most outlandish things, right? But you understand, he's just promoting a fight, man. He's stirring up interest. He's, you know, did you really see Big Nog handing a carrot to a bus? Of course not. What are you talking about? The dude's just saying stuff, man. He's he's just trying to promote stuff, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much as a lot of people do. But I will say this. Make sure you go back and, 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 and listen to the quote, because I will say that one thing of, I mean, I don't even know how many hundreds of hours at this point I've spent listening to USC President Dana White, talking to Dana White directly, asking questions, answering questions. So I feel like I do a pretty good job of interpreting Dana. Um, but I will say this. You know, a lot of people said, oh, he said, you know, he said Francis is scared of John Jones. He never said that. He never said, I think Francis is scared of John Jones. Now, I, I, I'm going to read out the exact quote. I think Francis is in a place right now where he doesn't want to take a lot of risk. He feels like he's in a good position where he could fight lesser opponents and make more money, so we're going to let him do that. And then later on, he said it, he said it again. He was kind of prompted again. He said he's got in his head that there's bigger opportunities outside the UFC with lesser opponents. To be honest with you, I don't think that's an inaccurate representation of what's going on here, right? But the big part of this is I think Francis is in a place right now where he doesn't want to take a lot of risk. Now, I think that's the part where people are saying he's scared of John Jones. I think you, you got to understand the way to look at it. Now, think about the way the USC does business because we've heard this before, right? Um, that, I mean, wasn't John Jones in the same position, you know, holding out for, for you know, guaranteed money? It's the Randy Couture situation. I think – when you talk about risk, I don't think you're talking about risk in terms of, you know, I don't think I can beat John Jones. I think it's one of those things where, you know, where's the financial guarantee? Is the guarantee up front? Where's that? That's what I want to know. Not that I'm going to be a back-end partner with him and not in, you know, probably wants a contract that doesn't have a stipulation because the USC contracts have stipulations. Once you lose the title, your pay goes down. You don't keep that same pay you had as, as a, as a champion. So that is taking risk, right? If you're like, if the, if what they offered him was, Hey, we'll give you, you know, 8 million a fight or whatever. But if you lose the title, you know, that goes back down to 2 million or something like that. That is taking a risk. And it is absolutely taking a risk against the best fighters in the world. That's, Dana never said the words that Francis is scared. So I've just been a little bit bothered by seeing people say that. Nobody's saying – first of all, it's stupid to say anybody on the roster is scared of anybody. Anybody that steps into that cage is 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 not scared. You know, I just did an interview with Alan Belcher. He's about to fight for the BKFC heavyweight title. And he said, you know, I love this opportunity 
to, to go fight for the BKFC title because I win this. I think it opens up opportunities for me to do other things. And one of the things he mentioned was Francis Nagano. Now, he said, you know, if you look, watch the full interview, I, I put a clip on social media, but if you watch the full interview, he did say, you know, he mentioned some boxers and some other possibilities. He's like, I'm just saying Francis because it's possible. He's a free agent right now. Uh, I hear we may be going after him, making an offer. And I think that's, you know, I, I would love to fight Francis Nagano and bare knuckle. And, you know, kind of tongue in cheek or whatever. I'm like, did you just say you want to fight Francis Nagano and bare knuckle? Because that sounds scary as hell to me. <laughs> like, isn't that? But he came back and he had this awesome quote and it was like, look, of course it's scary. Like, who wouldn't that scare? But that's what I'm here to do. You know, we're, we're here to face our fears. I want to face my fears at the highest level and I want to see how I do. And I thought it was just a, a phenomenal quote, right? Um, but this idea that anybody's scared of anybody, no. Take that out of the equation. If you say that, then you obviously don't follow the sport closely enough or, or, or get to know these people well enough. And and Dana knows these people well enough. He's not saying that France is scared, but there is financial risk in there. And I think that's um I think that's a big a big part of what's going on here is Francis is doing the right thing here. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I tweeted out over the weekend, uh, or earlier this week as this was kind of all playing out. And, and and my tweet was, I think the biggest challenge facing any promoter signing in Ghana is providing quality matchups in the second, third, and fourth fight. The first fight is an easy sell. The USC champ walked away. Now he's here. But what's the plan to provide compelling contests after? And then I, I left the question, can Tyson-like beatdowns sell pay-per-view in 2023? And I really do think this is key. Right now, you know everybody's going to make a play. Everybody's going to make a play. You know, PFL is saying they're going to make a play. Bellator is going to make a play. Uh, I mean, everybody's going to make a play. I did say, by the way, I would love to see Francis Nagano rising New Year's Eve, Saitama Super Arena. I mean, put him in some kind of freak show matchup. Like, it would just harken back to days. You know, how the Japanese fans, they love the big giants. You know, I saw a lot of people when I tweeted that making a comparison to Bob Sapp. And, yeah, but Bob Sapp on a different level, right? I mean, this is the actual reigning UFC heavyweight champion. But I think that would be cool. So, hopefully there's a way to make that happen. Because I just, the idea of Francis Nagano heading over there, I, I think, would be incredible. But. I really do think this is a big challenge for anybody involved, is that first fight is going to sell. No matter where you go, the first fight is going to sell. But who has depth on the roster to continue providing big fights? And so when I, when I sent this tweet, you know, I saw a lot of people say, man, well, he should do one-offs. And I, I completely agree that would be super cool if he could do one-offs. But what's the, what's the real legitimacy uh, or, or legitimate chance of that happening, right? Because if you're a promoter, you bring a guy in, you invest your resources, you invest your money, you do all these things to help promote the event, it turns out to be a blockbuster. Let's say, you hit it, man. You cashed it. Boom. Now what do we do next? How do we work together next? And the guy says, oh, no, no, no. I, I just came for that one fight. I'm, I'm heading over to this spot over there. And now you as a promoter are like, what? I just spent all this time and money investing in you, and now I help build you up, and you're going elsewhere, and you're taking all that energy with you so that's going to be hard to convince promoters to say yeah i'm good with a one-off now it might not be a bad idea because again who has a roster to 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 give him multiple fights multiple fights that you're willing to pay money for remember that not that you're just willing to tune in for of course we're all going to tune if a francis nagano fight is free or on basic cable that we already pay for we're going to tune in there's no question about it right but are we going to pay 60 bucks for it and that's a real question are we going to pay 60 bucks for it? Because whoever is going to invest in Francis Ngannou, 
they're doing it as exactly that, an investment. They want to get their money back out of it. How do you get your money back out of it? Well, it's not just whatever TV deal you already have in place because you're already getting that money. I, I doubt any of these standard TV deals have any kind of escalators in there where it's like, hey, if you hit these ratings marks, you know, we'll we'll give you X million dollars. Maybe they do. Maybe they do, but I, I don't normally hear that. Normally it's just like, hey, flat rate, here's what we get. Keeps everybody on the same page in terms of, hey, we're all looking for success. So what are you going to do? You're going to put him on pay-per-view, right? Which makes the PFL seem like the most logical home for me. I'm not saying that that's where he's going, but that that seems like the most logical home for me, knowing that they're pushing this pay-per-view division, knowing that they're trying to go all in. What a you know what a, a huge addition this would be to their roster. Together. So this seems the most likely to me, right? Bellator is going to network television. That's big, you know. But again, what, you know, what kind of resources are they looking to commit? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and again. You got to talk about multiple fights. It's not just the one fight. The first fight's going to be big, but how do you make two, three, and four big? I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying you know th- those those organizations are probably just going to have to bring in opponents for Francis Ngannou. But that's going to be the biggest responsibility. And I think that's what's going to be interesting to see if this um, if this works long term. Now short term, what this definitely does is give an opportunity to box. And I know he's talked about it. I, 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 from the moment I heard this. The, the logical move is you go box first, right? And it's weird because, and I've said this for years, if you've listened to the show or watched videos or whatever, I've said this anytime we talked about it. It's such a weird thing for me because I would love to see Francis Nagano and Tyson Fury. You know, I think the spectacle of it would be great. I don't think Francis would win. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Francis. I'm not speaking specifically about Francis. It's just to me that any elite level mixed martial artist that goes to fight an elite level boxer is going to lose. In the same way that any elite level boxer came to martial arts, mixed martial arts, they would lose as well. It's two different sports. It's two different sports. And I know Francis Ngannou packs a punch, but man, those heavyweight sluggers all pack a punch, man. They're the hardest punchers on earth. And, and and Tyson Fury's been out there with you know just any of those matchups you know, so it's weird but but again the spectacle of it will be fun the build up of it was fun I mean May Mac was crazy this wouldn't be on the level of May Mac those are two cultural icons it wouldn't be on that level but it would be cool right and if you've ever been around Francis Ngannou good dude and if and even if you even if you hate the guy even if you hate Francis Ngannou which I don't know why you would but even if you hated Francis Ngannou why would you hate on his opportunity to go maximize his income and i think right now boxing is where you have to go now because if you go sign somewhere else and you have an MMA fight and you lose I don't know that that excitement is there anymore, right? I mean, and it could happen. And again, I just said I don't know that everybody has a you know a roster that's going to be intriguing, but it's heavyweight MMA. It's MMA, period. Anything can happen in an MMA fight. That's what we love about the sport is like, you know, you look at a fight and you're like, I'm pretty damn sure that guy is going to win. But I can't completely rule out the other guy because anything can happen. You can get caught with a punch. You can, you know, one transition goes wrong and you get stuck in a submission in your arms and when you're, you know, your arms at, at risk here in an arm. I mean, who knows? There's just all these things that can happen. And that's what we love about the sport. But if Francis goes out there and loses, everything goes away. Everything goes away, right? I mean, there's not a boxing opportunity on the table. Now, I'm not saying the MMA contract will be gone. Then maybe you have a rematch and et cetera, you know what I mean? But. That big payday, the biggest payday, the boxing payday, it's there now. And so I think you have to go box. And, you know, maybe before you sign the MMA deal, maybe you do sign the MMA deal. I mean, maybe you sign the MMA deal, but you're like, hey, listen, uh, you know, I'm not signing an MMA deal unless you know I can box. 
Um, now, does that does the PFL become less attractive because now you're going to be selling a pay-per-view and they got to sell a pay-per-view? I, I don't know. That, that's how all this stuff works out. But that's just the way I see it. I think he's got to go box now because he's going to get that money. And then at that point, you know, I don't know what he's going to make. Like, you know, Conor McGregor, that $100 million figure, that's not happening, right? It's not Conor McGregor, one, and it's not Floyd Mayweather, two. Again, those guys are once-in-a-generational, promotional-type guys, right? But Fury, I think, would be interesting because Fury is such a great salesman, right? I mean, that guy is a talker, man. And you're telling me that, you know, he would build Francis. And that's and, and the thing about Fury is cool is that he wouldn't have a problem building up Francis Ngannou as this absolute monster. You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to do that in promotion, right? Like the, the easy promotion is like, that dude sucks and I'm going to show the world that he sucks. But, you know, sometimes promotion's better the other way around. And you're like, just look at that guy. Look how scary he is. Like, I mean, I I know this is my world, but, man, I look at him and, I don't know, I get a little nervous. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, so you're adding that, like, in, inside you don't feel that doubt, but you're just throwing that shadow of doubt because that's what we want in fight sport, that what could happen? What could happen? And I think Tyson Fury could do a good job of that. And then, you know, you just look at Francis Nagano. It's it's not – you don't have to know anything about it. – fight sport at all to look at Francis Nagano like oh that dude uh could probably uh knock people out now the, the one thing that will be a challenge too is that when he that, that may hurt in the promotion of it is there's no way in hell the UFC is going to give uh any boxing promoter any footage right there's no way they're going to license any footage like you can tell they're a little bit salty right now <laughs> they're a little bit upset and you know with Mayweather they're like hey we, we we're in on this we get a piece of this so we'll help you out this one Ain't no way in hell they're going to possibly, uh, you know, do anything at all to give them to help them out. It's just not going to happen. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But still, I think it could be a big fight. I think it would make money. And at that point, let's, let's I don't know, I've been throwing out a figure like 30 mil, right? Isn't that, isn't that the, wasn't that the, the conversation a couple years back that, uh, was it, were they using Deontay Wilder as, as the, you know, it was about 30 million. So I'm going 30 million. If he makes $30 million, then maybe you don't even care what the long-term contract is, right? Maybe at that point, you don't even you don't even care what, what you get from an MMA organization. Maybe you come back to the UFC. Maybe all you want to do is get that one thing done. Now, I will say the the stuff that he's that, that Francis is advocating for, um, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome. The problem is you got to get everybody on the same page. I mean, that's all going to be done through collective bargaining. Like, you can't get, as an individual... Uh, hey, yeah, you individually can have advertising rights, and hey, you as an individual will get you medical insurance, and hey, you as an individual, that's not going to happen. And so in that sense, of the things that he's advocating for, you're better off on the inside than you are on the outside because, you know, maybe you could help affect some change from within, but that's a whole different situation. I mean, right now, we're going to see what happens. I'm, I'm intrigued by it, but I'm, my bet is that uh, this ends up being boxing next but anyway listen one benefit of me not making the trip to brazil is i was available to talk to john jones uh john jones uh was available kind of out of the blue and fortunately since i was home i was able to take it there was no video available it was it was just a phone call um but uh i was like man this was a pretty good phone call i mean obviously i had to record it because i was gonna write something up and uh you know, I, it ended up being, I, I thought, a pretty good conversation. So just laid some, some B-roll over it and, and put it on YouTube. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming at this point uh, most of you that are listening to this have probably seen it. If not, I guess maybe put this on pause and go go listen to it. It's not that long. Um, yeah, I thought about including it here, but again, it seems like repetitive. And, which leads me to a bigger oh, – we'll get, get into that. I, I, 
I'm thinking about doing maybe an, an extra episode because I do a lot of interviews every week. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of video interviews, but I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of audio. But I've got these interviews and I've been putting them up on YouTube. And I was thinking maybe I should just put them in an audio section as well and maybe do like a, a, a second episode each week that's just my interviews for the week and uh, maybe set them up a little bit. I don't know. If you got any feedback on that, let me know. Uh, especially if you're one of our longtime supporters at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow because you are super VIP to us and we appreciate uh, everything that you do to help support the show. I don't know. Let me know. Is, is it too much? I mean, I know there's a, there's a billion podcasts out there, but some of the interviews I, I like, and I wish I was using them in more than one place, but then I worry that, like, you're going to watch them there and hear them there, and you're going to be bored and uh, skip. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. But anyway, with John Jones, I thought it was I thought it was a good conversation. Um, it seemed to be in a really good place, man. It seemed to be in a really good place. I mean, just from the moment, the, you know, the, the, the greeting was obviously very pleasant. Uh, and, and, and the, the closing kind words as well. Um, but just as he talks, seemed in a good place, you know, and, um, you know, especially it just sounded more mature. There was one time, there was one moment where I asked him about, you know, is he the greatest of all time? Or does he think about the greatest of all time? Or does legacy and all that? Does he think about that all? Or does he have to avoid those thoughts because he's got to really focus on just the fights and the task at hand, you know? And I thought his answer was great where he said, look, I think in cage, I'm, I'm already the, the goat. I, I don't even think there's much of a discussion. I think I've proven that. Personally, me, I tend to agree. I know a lot of people don't, um, but I do agree with that. I, I do have John Jones ranked as my personal uh, greatest of all time, and, and I think doing this would be even greater, right? I mean, this would be an even bigger deal. But, but without prompting, he even said, "But great is a big, you know, it's a big word, you know, and you know, with some of the stuff that I've done outside, you know, I'm very aware of my image. I'm very aware of my reputation in and out of the cage, and you know, with some of the other things I've done, maybe people don't consider me. And I just, I don't know. Without even bringing it up, I thought that was some self-awareness on John Jones' perspective. You know, maybe this past three years away has been some time of of learning. I mean, um." You know, at some point you do grow up a little bit, right? He's 35 years old now. Maybe he is starting to, to, to grow up a little bit and, and, and face the reality that, hey, man, this thing's all done here in a little while. And, and what's left is my family. And what's left is, you know, my life around me. And, and that's the things I got to focus on. Now, I don't know. It, it, what, what do I know? What do I know from a couple-minute conversation? But that's just what came across to me, man. Maybe he's still partying and doing whatever. But I don't know, man. It just seemed like a more mature version of John Jones. So, um, and I love the fact that he, he kind of laid out exactly what his plan is, which is, you know, first of all, admitting he's disappointed. He's not facing Francis Nagano. I know he's, he's, you know, said, Hey, you know, I think in another interview, he said, like, do not fault that man at all. I didn't ask him, you know, do you fault him? I think he's actually talking to Justin Morasso from sports illustrated, uh, my coworker. I think he told him, like, I don't, I don't fault Francis at all for his decision. You know, that, that man should go get his money and, you know, Kudos to him for doing that. But he did say, a little disappointed. You know what I mean? That's that's the fight that I wanted. That's the fight. You know, more people know about it and you know him. Plus, he would be taking a title off somebody, not just winning a vacant title, which that does always – it always means a little bit more, right? Claiming a vacant title, it's, it's the reason – it's the reason that, you know, the UFC hates when people walk away from belts and hates when people, you know, whether it be to leave the organization, whether it be to retire or whatever, it's because that belt – it's got a little asterisk to it, right? Like, you didn't win it. You didn't beat the champ. You just beat a guy. And you know how MMA works. As soon as you beat the guy, he wasn't that good to begin with. He didn't even deserve to be in the title shot to begin with. So, 
I, I love the fact that he admitted, but he did say, listen, uh, Cyril Gaon, although I, I have seen a lot of people laughing that I believe he's, he, it sounds a lot more like serial gain, uh, which was funny. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to correct him. Hopefully somebody will fill him in, you know, by the time it's fight week, but you know, he did say, look, I, you know, I, I respect Cyril Gaon. I'm not looking past him at all. Uh, did say, you know, kind of funnily enough, I guess, you know, he, he had watched the Nagano Gaon fight plenty of times because he was trying to break it down Nagano's perspective, right? But it ended up giving him an opportunity to watch Gaon. So he is familiar with this game. Um, but then he also said, but, you know, I had wanted Stipe. And, and, and my plan right now is I want this and then I want Stipe and then we'll talk. Now, listen, not beating Nagano, not getting that opportunity does suck for him, for sure. But he beats Gaon and beats Stipe. <sighs> That's tall order, I know. Tall order, I know. But, can, I mean, even the John Jones haters, can can you still doubt him at that point? Can you still have anything bad to say about him whatsoever? Do you just have to be like, don't like the guy, but he's the GOAT? I mean, I, I think you would have to. So, anyway, tall order, we'll see. Uh, I did think funny, too, asking John Jones, hey, what are you going to weigh? And he was like, you know, I just – I'll let Cyril see that. I'll let Cyril see that. I, last time I saw him in person was at the Hall of Fame. He was wearing a suit, um, but he was he was big. <laughs> he was really big. You could tell he had packed on a lot of muscle. Uh, you could just see it, you know, in his neck and his arms. I mean, you could see it. So we'll see. I mean, what would be crazy? I, I mean, I don't think he's cutting down to 265, but what if he is? I mean, what if he is? Uh, so that's intriguing. I'm intrigued by the fight. I love the fight. I'm looking forward to it. It's not the fight we wanted, but I think it's still a good fight. And I do think, listen, I think Cyril presents more problems for John Jones. I mean, with Francis Ngannou, you know what you're looking out for, right? Like, whatever you do, be careful with that big wild shot because if he hits it, you're going out. Um, I know that Francis Ngannou out-wrestled Cyril Ngannou. That was a big part of his victory last year, but I don't think Francis was going to out-wrestle John Jones. Um, but I think Cyril does present more issues, more things to worry about, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more movement. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, will the wrestling hold up at heavyweight? You know, you, you go back and, and look at some of his, you know, most recent fights. John Jones wrestling wasn't as great as it once was, but I loved hearing John Jones say too, man, you know, again, kind of unprompted, just saying, man, these last couple fights, this is like another day at the office. Like I, you could tell, he's like, yeah, I was just kind of checked out on it. You know what I mean? Love that he's admitting that. Love that he's admitting that because I do think it goes a long way to helping explain some of those kind of flatter performances that he was having. So um, it, he sounds energized. He sounds focused. He sounds excited, and that's that's a dangerous guy. That's a really dangerous guy. So um, excited, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a month and a half or whatever to build up to it. We've got some other fights in between, including this weekend. Um, but it's, but it's, it's going to be good. I tell you one other thing that I like too, you know, just kind of a parting shot and he ended up giving a great quote and, and we were, we were pressed up against it. I mean, I, I got him on the phone, but I was told, Hey, keep this quick, please. Uh, because I wanted to go down a tangent real quick because when I said, Hey, listen, there's going to be people that haven't seen you fight before, which is true. I mean, there's a lot of people that started watching this thing during the pandemic. They haven't seen this guy. Um, so what do you, what do you want them to know about, you know? And, but it was funny because as I was saying, there's people that haven't seen you fight. He said, yeah, I know. I've seen the betting line. And I, I thought, Oh, Oh, this is Petty John. <laughs> I like Petty John Jones. That means he's holding a grudge. That means he's holding a grudge. That's my favorite. Uh, but then he did, give that line it was interesting you know I, I i asked him that and if if you watch the video 
he kind of pauses for a little bit. He's like, hmm, hmm. And then he's like, man, I want him to know that there's levels to this game. And I'm just like, ooh, ooh, give me some goosebumps. Give me some goosebumps, man. I love it. By the way, uh, just throwing it out there real quick because if you haven't seen this, I, t- I t- retweeted it, I think, in the middle of the night last night. Uh, but uh, Phil Rowe, who's quickly becoming one of my favorite dudes uh, online, obviously he's come and grappled for us a couple times at Fury Professional Grappling. He was the one that filmed that big incident. Uh, last time out between Richie Lewis and Eddie Torres, the the, the backstage stuff that hopefully is going to result in an MMA fight. Uh, I know they're trying to get them to, to sign a contract. I think, from what I'm hearing, Eddie signed the contract already, and, now, and, and Richie is a little hesitant, and, and I think maybe has some stipulations of where it takes place or, or whatever. So I, I don't know if that's progressed, but I, I think uh, at least one half of it's done. Uh, maybe neither here nor there, but in my CFFC world, it's a fight that I definitely wanted to see because those dudes do not like each other at all. Uh, but anyway, Phil Rowe has quickly become one of my favorites. And uh, if you go check out his Instagram, I don't know if he put it on Twitter too, uh, but on Instagram, he reenacted the entire, uh, well, not the entire, but a big portion of, of the John Jones, Daniel Cormier, you know, caught on tape uh, exchange, and he does both sides of it. And uh, I don't know, it, it struck me as pretty funny, especially with John Jones coming back, just hearing that whole dialogue again. Uh, it's such a such a classic moment in USC history, but to see Phil Rowe uh, acting out both sides of it is, uh, is pretty wild. So anyway, uh, yeah, ton going on uh, in the world of MMA, man, and, and – uh, you know, not as dark as it was the first couple of weeks. Maybe still some some wild news, um, but yeah, plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk about. And shame I couldn't do it with my boy Cold Coffee, but uh, fortunate to be able to do it here in Las Vegas and uh, and stay home with family. But as promised, that does not mean you won't hear from Cold Coffee because he's with Hot Tea right now in Rio de Janeiro, getting ready for USC 283. Take it away, boys. Well, thank you, John, for that handoff. And yes, we are enjoying uh, the Brazil life. Uh, Maybe not as much today, but we'll get to that. But the reason why is because yesterday we did enjoy Brazil. Uh, Oscar, you got in here early on Monday. You decided you want to come get the party started earlier (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why, because as soon as I got here, everyone just says, don't go outside or they'll shoot you. So I just got here a day early and sat in my hotel room wondering about how I could be safe. <laughs> but then we did go on Tuesday. Uh, you talked me into coming over here and we went into the uh, the first actual place that we went to. It was the little cabana across the street, which was the one that infamously got robbed. Everybody got robbed uh, years ago. But there was none of that this time. Uh, the sun was shining. The beaches were loaded with people. There was a nice breeze oh, going. Yeah. And if I remember right, the the originals that we were drinking, the big tall ones, were 18 Hayash, which is roughly less than $4 a pop, something like that. I really stopped paying attention to the price after the fourth one. <laughs> yeah, which we did. We did, uh, I think we put down maybe six or eight of them there, something like that. It was at least eight, and then I got onto the vodka, and that's why I feel quite so yeah. timid today. <laughs> well, what's funny is, you know, so they, they collect your bottles after you're done to sort of charge up. They're not running like it wasn't like he was going to a machine and writing a tab or something, but I you started seeing the eyes where people were looking over at our table as the pile of bottles yeah. started getting bigger and bigger that's how we fucking do it that's how we do it (laughs) but i'll tell you what the like we said the the water the sun everything was beautiful and uh oscar got to see me perv out talking about all the uh the lovely ladies here curves lots of lots of lovely things yeah (laughs) it's 
It's criminal, really, bordering yeah. on actually being criminal. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had a nice steakhouse dinner mm-hmm. um, where we continued having uh, some more drinks. We ran into the old translator, the original translator uh, for the UFC, Richard, down here. So we had to the old steakhouse that we used to always go to, which is lovely and delicious. And halfway through it, uh, Oscar decided it was he was done. And he, he was like, I need to go. <laughs> well, I know where my limit. Well, actually, that's not true. Like, I sometimes, no. I know when the button's about to go, like, you're about to pass out at this table. <laughs> so I just, and I wasn't using the tools correctly. I kept trying yeah. to just grab the steak with my bare hands and stuff like that. Um, that was, that was pretty funny. And we had, we had a multiple times. Uh, yeah. Remind me every single time. Cause every, every time, time they came like, out, no, use the tongs, use yeah, the tongs. And he's just reaching out as the guy's slicing it with a giant sword, like yeah. knife. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. that made, that made for a rough day today, which today was UFC media day. They had yes. 14 uh, fighters. They had the full main card as well as the two fights just before, which is uh, Shogun Hua, which is his last fight against Ihor Poteria. Yep. I think I butchered that last name. And Probably. then we also had uh, Gilbert Burns and uh, Bruno Fajeda, who's stepping in in place of Brad Tavares. <clears throat> Right? Yeah. Is that am I getting that fight wrong? No, no, no. I'm messing up my fights. Gregory Rodriguez. Gregory Rodriguez. He's the other one. Yeah, yes. you're right. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess just initial thoughts on uh, the media day today. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it had a decent crowd, and I guess we thought, you know, that it was just going to be crazy Portuguese, Portuguese, Portuguese. So we actually talked to the UFC and yourself, myself, and. Uh, uh, MMA Fighting's Guillermo decided, hey, can we just do all English at the beginning and then hand it off, which was the best thing that we ever decided to do yeah. ever. It was really great how it kept going. But what were your thoughts on just, I guess, the overall media day, you know, um, the other fighters that went there and, and just, yeah, what's your thought? Too fucking friendly. Everyone was too friendly. Yeah? I thought so, yeah. <clears throat> I you thought, thought, so you thought they'd be talking a lot more shit? Uh, no, I mean, I'm being pedantic. But I thought that... Gilbert Burns is very good. I think yep. he's rightfully frustrated he can't get a big fight, but the kind of guy he is, he'll just fight the best guy he can get his hands on, so I like that. I thought that uh, Jamal Hill was short, but mm-hmm. confident. I thought, Definitely looks very focused. Yeah, I thought Glover was, uh, you know, the usual self, just here having a nice time, just happy where he's at in his life. I thought those were the sort of main ones you know moreno and figueredo it's kind of funny we've really heard all there is to hear at this point about those two yeah, fighting right. each other you know and i think even they feel that way figueredo was doing his stuff saying brandon's scared of him and stuff like that but which yeah. is pretty which is pretty silly well yeah what'd you think about shogun and the fact that it's his last one i thought well i mean he definitely showed emotion i, I don't know if i would thought he, he'd he'd be more emotional or take more and it felt like it was just like another day in the office but i felt like there was a little bit of it there but I don't know. No, I felt the same. I felt like he wasn't... I actually, to be honest, his energy was such that I had to sort of second guess if he was really retiring. And yeah. I had to Google it while he was sitting there. I was like, he is retiring, right? Um, he just seemed... Like you said, another day at the office, I think maybe it's that could be just because he's done this fight week so many times right. that he just doesn't give any energy to things like Media Day. Uh, or it could just be that it's not really sunk in yet, you know? Yeah. I do think he's he, he said, once I'm retired, I'm retired. I do believe him there. Yeah, that uh, was interesting because, yeah, uh, was it you or Guillermo that asked that? But, Guillermo. you know, it was about the effect of, you know, you know, you see a lot of guys now, they leave the UFC, you know, you think they're done, but then they go into boxing. Yeah. 
and and he was definitely very clear that no, this is it. You know, when I leave combat sports, I'm leaving all combat sports. Yeah, he said he hates it when people do that. Yeah, that's what well, he said. It's a pretty strong reaction to people doing. <laughs> well, I mean, let's give it six months and see. Yeah, <laughs> when he's doing it, do you hate yourself? Yeah, do you hate yourself now, Shogun? Yeah, so we'll see. But I thought it was a cool media day, you know. I think, um, I think it had the same sort of energy as the card has. To be honest, you know, right. first one of the year, but no massive fights on it. And it's kind of a couple of cool matchups that I'm looking forward to watching. But I don't think many people. Myself personally, it's not like I'm really anticipating this card. Like, oh, fuck, I can't wait for Saturday to get here. Yeah, for sure. Um, Is there any fight? I mean, before we break down just quickly the main and co-main, are there any, any like, sort of hidden gems that you think that somebody needs to pay attention to? I feel like Johnny Walker versus Paul Craig could be a bit of a weird shit show, and that could be entertaining. I actually think Gilbert and Magny could be good, too. That could be good. Could be good, but it could also be just a clinch-happy <laughs> wrestle-fest. Um I thought he gave the greatest break. I thought he really understands Neil's skills. Like yeah. when he started talking about how Neil wants to try to work into the clinch, I thought his analysis and breakdown of it was was just spot on. Gilbert's good, man. Um, I thought Terrence Terrence McKinney's on the card. He's always pretty good value. What do you think? How do you think that Jessica Andrade, Lauren Murphy? You think that's gonna be good? Because Lauren's tough as tough as can yeah. be, but man, Jessica when she's able to turn it on, and there is something about her in this building. I mean almost saw her take Rose's life up there, you know. She just, she's one of those ones that definitely gets fired up. I know, asked her, I said, are you, are you, you going to try and slam Lauren? And she went, well, if she fights like Rose, I was like, well, she's not going to fight she's like Rose. Like, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that could either be Jessica, you know, coming out aggressive and sort of having Lauren on the back foot and, foot and beating her to the punch all, all fight. Or actually that could be Lauren imposing her size and just jabbing her away and keeping her away most of the fight and yeah. sort of frustrating Jessica. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, do you think she has a good chance? you think she has a chance? Who? Murphy. Yeah, for sure. But I think Murphy might actually win. Yeah? Yeah, do. Depends, man. I kind of... I just think She's got good size. You know, and I kind of... Not that I forgot that, but I initially leaned Andrade in my staff picks... But, man, Murphy just has a way of showing up, man. When she shows up and she does what Lauren does best, yeah, I think she could frustrate Andrade. I think she, you know, if I, she could tire her down. If Andrade tries to use too much, you know, power and starts to wear herself down, Lauren doesn't, she doesn't wear down. I mean, she at least doesn't tire, yeah. it seems. Well, that's So that's what I think. I think if it, it's probably going to go to the decision, which actually I might put a bet on. Um, oh, there you go. Can you do it over here still? Nope. But... <laughs> um, you know people I know people but I think uh, that's James Krause by the way I don't know James Krause actually <laughs> to be honest I don't think I've ever spoken to him properly um, but yeah I think that fight could be interesting or could just be a wash yeah well those, those are definitely good ones I think you picked the the, the best of the uh, other ones for sure alright well let's jump in I mean I'm going to make this section because everyone wants to just listen to John they don't want to listen to us and us fucking peasants yeah I mean yeah. and plus we need to we need to get back onto the beach and do some drinking no but not tonight, right? No. You want to, don't you? <laughs> I think I'm going to drink a beer when I get back to my hotel room. I can see, see, it, see if it you? helps my head. Because I feel like, not that I want to go hair of the dog or whatever you want to call it. I just feel like I've had this fog hanging over my brain all day. And I wonder if just one beer will clear it up. But one becomes two so very easily. Well, I have two easily. in my room. so <laughs> One becomes two so very but, easily. But I'm not you. <laughs> no. I can say, I can stop, I think. 
All right, well let's let's uh, let's hop into the co-main event: Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. I can stop. I just like to have a good time. <laughs> I know. Why stop? Have a good time, especially here. What's funny, of course, Morgan and, and his wise words. You know, when I was like, oh, we're both kind of like a little tired, a little hungover, whatever. And his his tweet does or his message was like, well, if you're there, you got to make the most of it. And yeah. You're like, you're right. Make yeah. me feel better that I got a fucking just. brutally drunk yesterday well i mean like i plan on getting pretty fucked up tomorrow yeah but tomorrow's gonna be a lot of fun tell us about tomorrow what's on deck for tomorrow they're doing a media mixer for some shit that i don't care about but there is alcohol there so (laughs) i'll be attending (laughs) and then they're also doing another media mixer sort of meet and greet thing up at christ the redeemer yeah where obviously they don't serve alcohol so i plan on bringing a flask (laughs) Are you? To the most religious spot in Rio de Janeiro. Well, it's going to be nighttime, so, I mean, you can be able to hide it and and drink or whatever. Depends if I carried on drinking from the media mixer at 12, I know, that's it? what, it's, it's, there's there's the possibility that nobody will make it to the bus to go to the Christ Redeemer. But. I need you to interfere if you think I've gone too far. <laughs> I need you to stop me getting on I've never shit. been able to successfully oh, stop sorry. you. Oh, well, yeah. Well, anyway. We'll I've see. successfully helped you get home, but never actually to get you to stop drinking. Because the switch happens quick, when it that that when that when that it finally flips and then it's like oh Oscar's no longer in the building that switch is really really quick. Do you mean when it's time for me to go home? Or when, when it's time it's... for you to go home? Oh yeah, no, no, just... because you're you're strong, you're going, you're going, and then it's like oh oh he's done. Oh oh okay. Yeah. There's no like lead up. He's sprinting down the street. <laughs> he's calling for help, and we don't know where he's at. Oh yeah, that did happen. I forgot about that. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> Davidson. Uh, Brandon, you know, you talked to both guys today and I, you know, we don't have to break it down too crazy, but I guess where's just your initial leans. If you had to, if you're, you're talking about betting, not on this one, obviously, but if you had to put your money down, who, who's taking your bet? Davison Figueredo by decision, I reckon, because personally, I think if you look at all their fights, they're so close. Except the second fight, the, the, the ones that went to decision were very, very close. And I think if this one does that, Brazil... That's I just, it. I just think the judges will give it to Davison, you know. Yeah. Um, even if it's not that close, I feel like he'd get it. Yeah. You know. So Moreno's got to think about that. I do think Moreno's just tough enough to take Figueroa's best stuff. Yeah. But I think it's always the same, right? You probably would say, based on how we've seen them so far, Figueroa is the more dangerous and potentially better fighter. But if he doesn't do everything correctly in his preparation in terms of a weight gut. I was, he, I was he fades. Do you think there's any any possibility he doesn't because with well, I mean we've seen him mess up with the belt on the line. Do you think there's any possibility that he allows that? He certainly did not look like he was struggling, but that is it could either a good, good thing, thing or yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, cuz he didn't it, look sucked in today and it, he was very at, ch- he's very chatty. Yep. And I think if I remember right last time he was sucked out at this point. Yeah. I was thinking that way as well. So, I mean, I hate, hate to put that out in the universe, but it's not like it's us, Jason. That's just him doing what he does. But, yeah, he didn't look sunken in. He was very, very energetic today, which uh, is typically not the thing that happens when they're <laughs> struggling to get through. Yeah. I mean, but it is – uh, what day is it? It's No, it's not Tuesday. It's Wednesday. So he has a whole full day to really start cranking it. But you figure that they have to start immediately tonight. If he's not already, like, hitting it – I don't know if that's just they just do a straight like night before and then that's it and they get used to it. But you figure at this point tonight, he's already got to start the process, at least in some manner, you know, 
if he's doing it. But looking at Brand, uh, Brandon, Brandon didn't really look sunken either, but he never looks he's too fine. crazy. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. I think it's, look, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's one of those fights where I'm not like anticipating it, but when it starts, I'll be really into it because it'll be a great fight. Yeah. And I think the, and just the crowd. I mean, there's always something about Brazilians fighting in Brazil, you know, that really does it. And the fact that now we have the belt on the line and then knowing that crowd, if Davidson can beat the scale, if he can win the fight at the scale, that crowd for him going in there at night is going to be fantastic, you know. But what's crazy about Brandon is he wants that. He wants those boos. He wants those cheers. And it's going to amp him up as well. He's not going to – I have no fear that he's going to walk in there and, and be shocked or just be put off by the crowd at all. You know, if anything, I think he's going to probably be amped up to go into the enemy territory and take all those cheers. You know, if anything else, it might make the best Brandon come out. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I'm leaning Davidson as, as well on that one. I think you're probably right decision, you know, unless for some reason he's able to land some crazy, you know, strike to the head that just – Knocks Brandon down, but at this point, Brandon's felt the power. He yeah. knows what he knows what's coming. He get so. dropped like a hundred times in his last yeah. fight. They say, but we'll see. But all right, so that's both of us are going for for Davison on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, for all you gambling people that love to listen to this podcast, for all the wonderful gambling tips that we'd give, <laughs> which we never give. <laughs> all right, lastly, let's talk about the main event: Glover and Jamal. Where are you leaning on that one? Glover. Really? It was Jamal until today, dude. I'm the exact same. I picked Jamal, but there was something about Glover and his confidence and just when, – when, and plus when somebody said about how Jamal – and I completely forgot about how Jamal got taken down in a recent fight or whatever, and it was like it was like no big deal, you know, yeah. like against a guy that wasn't really known for like takedown. Was it Thiago or something? But it, it made me start to like falter. Actually, I forgot that I was gonna reach out to Matt Erickson who handles our staff picks <laughs> and swap my pick. But I think I'm gonna wait to see how it looks when they're uh, on weigh-in day, just to see what that morning, just see how they both are. Um, but seeing that face-off that took place the other day, when you know where they were like nose to nose, Glover's a big boy, man. Yeah, I think I just think skill set wise. I actually think it, could, it has the potential to be another Glover versus Jiri kind of fight, right. where it's just chaos, where you know Glover gets hurt but comes back and takes him down, and right. it could be a barn burner. Um, but I do think at this point Glover is just a little bit crafty, yeah, just a little bit too crafty for Jamal. I and I Jamal, just feel like he doesn't. He's not. He was not gonna accept a loss in there, like you know, unless it's out of his hands, where he just clearly gets the lights shut off. Like he just wants to, he wants to go out there in front of that Brazilian crowd and give him something. And I just don't know if if Jamal doesn't get him with a knockout, he doesn't. He, I'm with you. He doesn't have the the breadth of skills to get you know. Yeah, I think Jamal will, is a top tier light heavyweight. I want to be clear, but yeah, we'll see. Man, it's gonna make me have to swap my picks. But right now on the staff picks, I'm on I'm on Jamal, but I am starting to lean towards Glover. But I guess we'll make the final decision on Friday. Yeah, which. Uh, on, yeah, on, fr on Friday, I have to put in. But uh, are you looking forward to the super late finish of the event? No. What time is the super late finish? Uh, the the last fight's supposed to end around 3, which means after the post presser, we're probably leaving the uh, arena around 4 or so. Later than that, mate. Right. If the last one's at 3, probably be 5 or 6. Because especially we have to wait for the, the guys and to take forever. On that, and then obviously everyone in Portuguese is going to talk to them and they love out like. Wasn't Glover there for like twenty five minutes today? Yeah, you know. So 
what time does it start? So we need we need that uh, we need to have Brandon and Jamal win so that it's a short. Post They'll segment. bring Glover back anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I have to look to see what time it starts, but I know that they are saying that's supposed to end around three. So yeah, you're probably right. Probably about six. So I get really messed up Friday night. I guess we have to. I mean, yeah. you can't do it. Sleep most of the day Saturday. Wake up. But then it is. Winter flight on on Sunday. Sunday night though, right? So you got a little bit of drinking time on Sunday. No, my flight's on Monday morning. Oh, that's right. You got a whole other day. Is you. it on Monday? I didn't think there was a flight that I could come back on on Sunday. Yeah, I'm Sunday late Sunday night. Like 11 o'clock or something like that. Fuck's sake. I'm so shit at booking my travel <laughs> at every fucking event. Well, it just means you get some more time to drink. Get some... I don't want to drink on my own like some old decrepit freak. No, the beach is loaded. Yeah, but none of them speak English. Well, we'll find we'll find you somebody. Well, maybe some of the, the local the local people. The yeah. local staff or whatever. But whatever. But we'll have uh, we'll have post fight stuff coming uh on that and John of course will have the and a half uh after <laughs> that, but uh he'll tell you all that. But uh that's our short touch uh base from here. Anything else you want to say about uh Rio de Janeiro? I'm inside it and I'm ready to rock. I want to go to a favela and make friends with the people. Bring this people back, this country united. You're so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, sending it back to you, John. All right. So there's a little feel of the action from down in Brazil. Thank you, fellas, both for the time. Appreciate Hati always being so willing to uh, volunteer his services for the MMA Roadshow Faithful. And of course, Always appreciate cold coffee holding it down and making that trip down to Rio de Janeiro. We had a lot of we had, we had a lot of good times down there, man. We we really did. I, I enjoyed my trips down there. Had a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of travel, I will be traveling to Moncton, Canada next week for Fight League Atlantic Seven. So that'll be my first show with Fight League Atlantic again. As I said, trying to get a little more commentary going this year, and this is. Uh, an opportunity to work with a new organization that's uh, really trying to build a regional scene out there on the Atlantic coast. And, and the people behind the scenes that I've been working with, you know, just so far just been kind of over the phone and video conferencing and all that. But, man, just passionate fans. That's what I love, an opportunity to work with people that are passionate fans of the sport and that want to do things the right way, like a commitment to a high-level product, a commitment to bettering the sport, a commitment to getting athletes opportunities. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting out there next week. Uh, if you happen to be in Moncton and listening to this, man, come say hello. Uh, I think we're going to do a little meet and greet at the, at the weigh-ins. I mean, I hate to say a meet and greet. I'm just going to be there hanging out. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm anybody. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to be there hanging out, but that'll be next week. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, uh, trying to line some things up in, in February as well. There may be. Maybe the return of lingerie fighting championship, which was always fun for me and Cole Coffee. I think there's a possibility of a tough enough event uh, here in Las Vegas. We'll see if that's done. I am going to make it out to uh, Inglewood, California for Bellator 290. So I will be out there covering that, the uh, network television show for Bellator. So I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, the schedule will start getting nuts in March. So looking forward to all that. Tonight is Power Slap. I'm going to be watching it. I know a lot of people are just absolutely disgusted by it, and uh, I can understand that to a degree. I really can. I really can. Um, but I'm going to at least watch it. I'm going to at least tune in. I will say maybe my taste for it will change. I only saw it once. Uh, I've seen the clips over the years. You know, I actually wrote a story for, on MMA Junkie years and years ago about the, the slap fighting out in uh, Missouri that I couldn't turn away from. Uh, so we'll see. Those, uh, boy, the 
the boy, the one I will say, the one clip that started making its way around is absolutely disgusting. Uh, absolutely disgusting. Um, but that's the thing that I think is good about this one. It, boy, it's so disappointing because it's got Las Vegas on it, right? So I think a lot of people, Las Vegas, that's power slap. I mean, you talk about another bad timing thing for Dana White and the power slap. Like uh, uh, That clip going viral the week before this thing is supposed to launch. Now, if it was just a slap fighting going viral, maybe not a big deal. But uh, having that Las Vegas logo on there and it not – it's not in Las Vegas. My understanding is there's a Las Vegas casino in Romania where they hosted this, but it's got that Las Vegas branding all over. But I will say this, you know, a lot of people, how's the commission getting involved in this? Oh, I can't believe the Nevada commission. That's why you want the commission involved because they would step in there and say, no, stop. They'll have actual medical professionals on hand. They will have actually people that care about fighter safety on hand. All these guys will be getting MRIs. Now, again, if you think it's done, and I get, I see a lot of people, and, I've, and I, look, I've had the discussion with a lot of people, and I'm always happy to have it, and I get it, man. No defense, I can't. No, it's not, it's not an art if there's no defense to it, and I get that. I mean, uh, the, the harsh reality is we're we're in a sport where people do get damaged, and we're okay with it. You know what I mean? But I, I guess I don't know. The no defense changes it for some people. I get that. I do. I'm not sitting here trying to say this is this is the best new combat sport on the planet. I'm not. I'm just saying I will at least be checking it out. But I think t- for me, and this is this is the way I felt about it, when the commission first started to say, hey, we're going to regulate this stuff, I said, good. If it's going to be done, let's make sure medical testing is in place. Let's make sure that there are officials that care about it that are in place. So we'll see how it all plays out. I'm going to watch the debut episode, and I guess we could talk about it. We'll talk about USC 283. We'll talk about uh, maybe the the, the, the the debut of Power Slap uh, all on the and a half edition. So if you're supporting us over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, it's as little as $3 a month. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we like to interact with the community over there. So so please do. That helps out the show a lot. But if nothing else, uh, even if you just enjoy listening to this show, just take the time to rate us, review us, leave us a little feedback wherever you listen to. It just, you know, helps us get the show out there. And we just we like doing it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Shogun, the final Shogun fight, and Terrence McKinney's back in action. Warley Alves versus uh, Nicholas Dalby could be crazy, so uh, Cody Stamen is in there. So, listen, it could be a lot of fun fights. First pay-per-view of the year. Uh, sad I'm not on the beach drinking originals, uh, but happy I'll be able to take my kid to soccer practice tonight and uh, come home and cook dinner for him. And you you, you got to prioritize things sometimes, right? Maybe when he's out of the house, I'll be getting my ass back there out down in Brazil. But for now, I'll leave that up. To the Young Bucks down there. Well, I'm calling Cold Coffee a Young Buck. What are we talking about? <laughs> Sorry. Cheap shot there, Cold Coffee. Cheap shot there that you're not here to defend yourself. Anyway, uh, I, I see that just you're not there to defend yourself. And we were talking about Power Slap. <sighs> Didn't even mean for that to happen. What are we doing? <laughs> anyway, uh, as always, listen, uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Hopefully my monologue rants are still acceptable for everybody for their entertainment pleasure versus having the back and forth dialogue. Miss those guys down in Brazil. I know they're going to have a good time. I think they've got a medium. I think they're, I, mean, I don't even go into it, man. They they got a light schedule down there. They're having fun. <laughs> I'm happy for them. I hope they enjoy it. Uh, and I hope you guys all have a great week. Talk to everybody over at patreon.com slash MMA Roadshow for the and a half. In the meantime, enjoy the week. And thanks for listening. We'll be right back.